Heartcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artists. It's Rafi and Klee. And today we are going to talk about how do you know when it's time for a change? All things pertaining to big changes in one's art career or life and how to navigate those things. Yeah, most importantly in one's life because usually a lot of the changes happen uh, in life, and they definitely have an impact on the art career. So sometimes change is inevitable, and sometimes change is like you really need to make a change, and it's not happening. So whether it's like coming your way and you have to deal with it, or you know you need to do it, there's a lot of moving parts there. Yeah, so there are a lot of moving parts. Some things uh, happen right away. We get some disappointing news. We get... Uh, something in life that just pops up and immediately it's like, okay, where where you're in that position where you have to take one road or the other. And in some cases, it's just a slow burn. It's something that little by little over time, it's been building. You kind of knew that it was coming Mm -hmm. um, and you have to make a change. And that could be really difficult for, for us as humans to, to make a change. We get very comfortable with the way things are, even if they're not comfortable. Yeah. Even if they're not comfortable. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I love saying like a comfort zone really has nothing to do with being comfortable. Like your comfort zones have to do with the fact that you know what to expect, even if it's not the greatest, even if it kind of sucks, even if you're just kind of dealing with it little by little, but you learn how to deal with it. Uh, and then all of a sudden a change comes and everything is up in the air. You have no idea what's going to happen. So we came up with a handful of questions regarding this subject. And of course, if you guys have any questions regarding changes or best practices or ways to handle it most awesomely, please feel free. This is a live podcast with our amazing patrons that are here. So they will chime in every once in a while and we'll read their comments and they might have some input or ask questions and direct this conversation to being even more awesome than it, if it was just us talking. Absolutely. So let's get into our first question. Okay. Our first question is, and this is assuming that you're deciding to make a change How do you know when it's time for a change if you have, in fact, convinced yourself that you're just fine with the way things are, (laughs) but not really? So how do you make that call that it's better to make a shift in some aspect of your life or art career rather than just plowing ahead with what you're doing? I think that this is relevant whether or not you're deciding to make a change or if, uh, you know, your world kind of gets upturned because no matter what you do have to make a choice, Mm -hmm. right? So like I've had situations in my past, uh, where what actually started the entire journey that I'm on, which was, I was going through a divorce. I was losing the house. I had lost my job. I basically, you know, everything that I had thought was security kind of fell apart. And in that moment, I found myself really overwhelmed by the fact that there there was nothing. Like, what was I going to do? Mm-hmm. And I think at that point, um, my in my mind, I thought to myself, like, at this point, I need to take the reins in my life and I need to evaluate 
what it was that caused me to head in this direction and I need to change that. And of course, that's really easier said than done. I didn't really, uh, I, I was asking the questions, but I didn't really understand what the questions meant. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually what I landed on was no matter what happens, I need to figure out a way to really, really like myself and support myself throughout uh, the next few uh, years of the rest of my life, pretty much so that I know for sure that I'm not willing to settle for anything less than what I want in life, which is the ultimate foundation for being able to ask yourself follow up questions that you can really get answers for. Right. If you know your relationship with yourself is solid, then you can ask yourself questions like, am I just going through a funk or is something fundamentally wrong here? Right. Um, Am I trying to run away from something or am I just ready for something new? Is this something that I can make a small pivot and things are going to be fine? Or is this like a life upheaval kind of situation? And am I just trying to avoid what I know I should do by doing this other thing? Right. Um, am I am I going through a, a funk? Like, so, for example, for as a quick example, in my hemming and hawing and trying to decide whether to leave our farmer's market that I did every week for nine years and pursue other ventures, um, for a while I was super on the fence about it and was asking myself, like, well, am I just having a little burnout or is it really that I've outgrown this thing or am I just in a slump because of this one factor? and so on and so forth. The interesting thing about that is that like I was uh, pretty annoying probably for the years leading up to that because I was ready to go to the next level. I was like, we're very dependent on the local market. We're very dependent on what is going on here. And you never know, there might be a hurricane, there might be something and you can't really depend on those things. I want to think outside of that. And sure enough, not only did we have a pandemic hit, which closed down all the markets and stuff, but we also had a hurricane in the same year. Yeah. So um, looking at your example, right, of your complete life upheaval, and then my going back and forth for many months about my decisions I was making, and then having a hurricane and having a pandemic, it's almost as if sometimes really the, the forces at work are like slapping you in the face with it. Yeah. And you're just kind of doing your best to ignore it because it's going to be hard. If you ignore something, right? So like, uh, you know, for example, when it came to uh, putting my art out there or just being happy in general, right? And there were certain things I was like, well, you know what? This is okay. Uh, You know, I could live with this or like. Uh, this is the best that I could get. And you just kind of settle for whatever it is that you think that uh, is the best that you could get. And what's interesting about that is that most of the time when we settle for something, right, whether it has to do with an art career or it has to do with your own life, whenever we settle for something that isn't necessarily something that we really, really want, it's it it really is a reflection of how you feel about yourself, whether or not you feel that you're worthy or capable of having more. Mm-hmm. And and that's not to say that uh, it's not about being happy with what you have and appreciating what you have. But a lot of us know that there's this like difference. Right. Uh, you know, for example, the relationship 
that I was in for years before you came along, it was very clear to me that I was unhappy. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, and the thing was that if I was unhappy, the other person was unhappy. The jobs that I had for, for over a decade, it was very clear to me that I was unhappy, but I figured, well, that's the best that I could do. This is, this is what I could get right now. And, um, and it was everything that I did was mostly a reflection of where, where I felt that I belonged. What I thought was capable for me was possible for me. I mean, Shoop said settling is something I've done my whole life and I'm working to take control of my circumstances now. Yeah. See, that's brilliant because it, and it, it took me, it took having that huge uh, life change for that to come up. Cause I pretty much did the same thing. I just kind of settled for whatever it was that I could get. I, and I guess thinking that maybe I didn't deserve more or whatever reasons there are for each individual, there's a, a plethora. You, yeah. Of there's a plethora of reasons. You have your own personal reasons, but it was like, I'm going to settle for this. This is good enough. This is the best that I could get. And what would end up happening was that either either myself or whoever else was involved, whether it was an employer or um, you know a partner or something like that, what eventually would happen was that life would just slap me in the face. And then what I found myself doing was doing that thing that you say, like, why does this ha always happen to me? Why does this <laughs> always happen to me? Without taking into account that you're the only element in that equation that stays constant. You're the common denominator. You're the common denominator. So it has to have something to do with you and the way that you think and the situations that you put yourself in. That is a hard pill to swallow. Sure. Because it is much easier to just be like, oh, it's all these people's fault. But like realizing like you're the only common denominator there. Shoop said, life's been throwing me lots of slaps lately. Yeah. <laughs> Life has a way of doing that. One of my early warning signs and also hello to Azura and Deanne. Hi, guys. Um, Sarah said, I got to make a big choice to extricate myself from family interfering with my creativity. Sarah, we because we know a little bit about your situation, I would say like definitely, you know, in your guts. Uh, yeah, that you need to make a change. And it's just having the courage to take the first step. And that's that's the thing to realize, like a lot of people are going to have advice, right? Some people are going to tell you, oh, you know, just stick it out or just do this or just do that. And some people are going to tell you, oh, you got to get away from that or whatever. But really, truly, when it comes down to it, you're the only one that actually knows. And so like you got to make those choices for yourself. But the interesting thing there is that it's sometimes a little bit more complex because if you've been in a situation where you feel like you need to get out and you've been in it for a while, chances are you've made a lot of excuses to stay in that situation. Definitely, and which actually goes perfectly with one of my early warning signs that you're in a situation that probably needs changing is if you find yourself uh, recurringly saying, well, at least blah, 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 oh, blah, 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 so blah. Good. That's so good. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> at 
least yeah. is the key word there, which means I'm I'm giving myself the least. I think I'm deserving of the least. At least this is blah, 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 blah. That is so brilliantly put. I love that. At least. So you are giving yourself this. At, at least it's okay because blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Shoop said talking yourself into a trap is so easy. It, is it so really easy. is. You, you Stockholm syndrome yourself in situations like that and you and and at least it's blah 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 is one of the ways that we convince ourselves right or it's just me which is why it's so key to have that solid relationship with with yourself if you have a solid relationship with yourself and you're also not pointing fingers right through no fault of whatever i i can i can find the appreciation in this situation and yet i still feel it's time for me to move on yeah is the healthiest way i think to move forward but we're not always there with all the things that was my biggest issue i think for me it was uh i'm broken and so everybody else whoever else is dealing in the equation whether it was an employer whether it was a partner whether it was friends, whether it was family, uh, whoever it was, I would put myself in situations where I felt like I was the bad guy, like there was something wrong with me, like there was something. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because you make you make a lot of what uh, typically people call compromises, but they're not actually compromises. They're more like sacrifices to your own self-esteem. They're because, totally. Yeah, because at that point, you're listening to someone else's uh, life advice over what your own feelings are to begin with. Shoop said, or you tell yourself all the reasons it would be scary or dangerous to step out, but it's so freeing when you finally oh, do. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And then absolutely. you're like, then you get some momentum behind you. One of my most detested uh, colloquialisms of all time, the, the, the things that people say on the scale of merit and self-worth and what we deserve is, well, beggars can't be choosers. My blood boils sometimes <laughs> when I hear that because that's fine and that's um, harmless, right? But it's not because when you're talking about self-worth and what you think you deserve and what you think you're capable of, that's kind of the, the leverage point, right? Well, these are the things that I want, but beggars can't be choosers. I'm fortunate that my wretched existence has made it this far, right? Um, And that's really, like, I think all of us have heard that growing up. Oh, absolutely. Most of us have heard that growing up. And that's just one of those little, yeah, one of those little things that sticks in our our brains. You know, it's interesting because those kind of things, those little sayings. So today I'm, I was working on the making money book, the rogue artist making money book. And one of the first chapters in the very first chapter, I bring up all of those sayings, you know, like money doesn't grow on trees. You know, what do I look like? Rockefeller, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And like, it's funny because it gives you an insight into the way that Really, when you're looking at cultural statements like that or statements like that that are in society that just kind of get handed down the generations and get repeated, there is a lot of stuff that we believe about ourselves that we just kind of buy into because it is the way that things have always been. So like, for example, beggars can't be choosers. That That is one of those things that gets passed down where it's like beggars could, you know, don't hope for too much. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't reach for the stars because you might be disappointed. Don't this, don't that. 
And it's a lot of people just kind of pushing themselves down instead of reaching for the stars, instead of saying like, you know what, I can do this. And exactly. And Deanne said that saying is demeaning, a backhanded way to put someone in their place. Yes. And because of the words chosen themselves, beggars can't be choosers, meaning a fundamental human right to make a choice for themselves, regardless of their circumstances, is being taken away in that statement. Because you might be in dire straits or you might be in tough circumstances, your very right to choose better for yourself is null and void. I don't agree with that. I would never agree with that. Not in a hundred years. Right. Shoop said, imagine what those beggars could have if they'd been more choosy. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Your fundamental right to decide for yourself what you're going to do in any situation. Let's say you're like, you know what? I want to do this. I want to do this. uh, I want to put my art. I want to create art out there. I know that artists deal with this all the time because what it becomes, instead of it being a choice of like, you know what? I'm going to pursue this. It becomes this huge life decision according to everyone else, because it's not just like, you're like, you know what? I'm going to go work at uh, McDonald's. I'm going to go work at whatever. And no disrespect to anybody that works at McDonald's or anything like that. But when you are naming a job and you're saying like, here's this established thing, I'm going to go do this. Um, people don't second guess you. They might second guess and be like, well, wouldn't you rather work at this other place or whatever? Mm-hmm. But you get these situations where like when you're saying something that is outside of the scope of what people can really comprehend. Yeah. Then it becomes this whole other thing. That's where somebody will tell you when you say like, well, you know, I really want to be an artist and they'll say, well, you know, beggars can't be choosers or, you know, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Mm-hmm. And like all these things. And it's like, no, you can. That- Why would I even have a cake if I wasn't going to eat it? <laughs> <laughs> naysayers. The next question that I wanted to tackle when it comes to big change is how the f- do you do it? How how the hell do you make it happen? Dude, I got to bleep that out now. Oh, well, there, there's the F-bomb on our, pod, <laughs> on our podcast. How do you make it happen, especially when it's something big and you have absolutely no roadmap and you have no idea? And I'm streaming live, said Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you do this thing? You know, and that's something that I think we've all faced. Rafi and I are facing it right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how do you do this thing? And forgive us in advance because the answers are going to be pretty general, I think, that we all share with each other because the situations are so varied in what you might be facing. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. Um, and the biggest thing that I could say is you can hold yourself in a holding pattern of research and pondering what you might do indefinitely. And Rafi and I have done that, too. And so I think the thing is to figure out what step number one is. And and do do everything you can to make step one happen. There are so many things. I I get all scientific and stuff, but it's not really science. I guess it would be considered pseudoscience. But basically when something is in motion, right, uh, that's when stuff starts to happen. Time moves when things are in motion. When there is inertia, it seems like time just stops, right? So like if you are waiting to go do something and you're just sitting there staring at the clock, things 
literally slow down. Yeah, it's pretty wacky when you get on the quantum level of that stuff. Yeah, and then when you are actually moving and you are doing something, time speeds up. And so like anything that I've ever thought about doing in my career, which is why I just jump on things and just do them, is that I know that if I sit there and I'm stuck in the planning stage, I am never going to get out of the planning stage until I decide to just go for it. And what ends up happening is that nothing that I planned ever actually comes to fruition. Like it right. doesn't work. It doesn't go to plan. Shoop said, I've been trying to handle juggling complex trauma while dealing with huge changes. I'm trying to focus on my long-term game plan, baby steps. Yeah. And here's the cool thing about baby steps. You get one thing going. Even if you're like, I literally don't know what to do, but I know that if I do this one thing, it's like a, even a half step in that direction. Right. So, uh, Momentum, the laws of momentum, and you can agree or disagree with me, but I believe the laws of momentum work for the physical world and the emotional world. So oh, once you absolutely. get even the the most minute modicum of momentum behind you, all of a sudden you're able to figure out step 1.5 and, yep. and 2 and 2.5. When you are struggling with something for a while, right? So for us, for example, one of the struggles that we're dealing with because uh, we we definitely are looking at, at houses and stuff like that. Well, over the last few years or even over a lifetime, there has been this belief system that takes place of, well, it's possible. It's just not possible for me. Well, it's whatever. So like what ends up happening is that that, that kind of a deteriorating negative belief gets so much momentum behind it that there has to be a buffer period where you are stopping that and turning it around. Mm -hmm. And it's taking into account that it's not going to happen overnight. You are going to change things by just taking one little step at a time and just doing it. Even if it's, I love that Anna said, for chunking, always for chunking. Yep. Like even if you're doing it just five minutes here, five minutes there where, where you're using for chunking to get you over that, that wall of molasses that you might have to get to, to just take that one step. Yeah. And, and really, and, and in some cases is to take that one step and change your mindset, be willing to flip your mindset around. Yeah. So Sarah said, I know my trauma is of my own doing, yet it doesn't make it any less hard to go forward. I need to do this one thing. Freedom is the carrot in front of my face. And exactly what you just said, sometimes affecting your external world, it's almost like all the time affecting your external world is an inside job too, right? Yeah. Because you got to be simultaneously doing the inside work of like, I deserve to do this for myself because if you don't think you deserve it and you don't think you're capable of it, how effective is any action going to be? Right. You're going to self-sabotage. Yeah, you're going to you're going to delay it inevitably. Um, so really, it really is an inside outside job. Make the phone call, but also say nice things when you look at yourself in the mirror in the morning. And yeah. it's that's oversimplified, you guys. I know it's a long, it's a long road. I mean, it's 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 a long road. And the beauty of it is that, like, you know, we get to we get to try it every day. Every moment of every day, we get to try it and we're gonna dip and we're gonna fall here, we're gonna fall there. But the fact of the matter is that we're talking, and if anybody out there is actually listening to this, uh, you're still here. Yeah. And so your opportunities are endless. 
And that's something to remember in the Rogue Artist Survival Guide. I talked about using your imagination uh, for good, because obviously we, we can easily use our imagination to uh, if you got a show going on and then you're getting nervous about it, you're basically using your imagination against yourself. Right. So you're thinking of all these worst case scenarios and how bad everything's going to go. I know that when my life changed one of the first things i did was panic and i was imagining everything going wrong mm -hmm. like everything that could go wrong would go wrong eventually i started imagining like okay well if using that as momentum for myself realizing like okay so if this does go wrong what am i going to do and be able to almost like a virtual reality machine in my own brain not run away from the issue, not run away from the confrontation and not run away from the fear, but to actually face it and say, what if this happens? What if this person says this? Run virtual how, simulations. How am it. I going to deal with this? And really, I, I feel like that's the most effective way because we're going to think whenever we're going to do something new or there's some changes in our lives, we're going to we're going to come up with all kinds of scary shit and all that stuff stems from our subconscious fears that we have, things like that. So it's in us. That's the only reason that we're able to imagine it in the first place. The worst case scenario is because it's in our psyche somewhere. And so when it comes up, a lot of times, many of us want to just avoid it, but it's the perfect opportunity to face it, especially when there's these big changes and you don't know what's going to happen. And your brain is like imagining all these worst case scenarios because it's trying to protect you. In that situation, you have the opportunity to say, okay, well, if this does come up, what am I going to do in that situation? Absolutely. It's so incredible that we do have the power to imagine worst case scenarios and face them without any bodily injury. Yeah. <laughs> and really go through that simulation, as I call it. Shoop said you have to change the internal conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The internal conversation. And I mean, and that's that's all part of it. it it's so funny because it it sounds so easy on the surface right because yeah. you're talking about it generally but we are so multifaceted and so complex and we have so many you know like so many things within us so many little experiences and and side glances that you might have experienced 12 years ago that is still in your psyche and at that moment maybe you didn't even catch it but it meant this or meant that so like there are so many facets to us and it's so deeply ingrained sometimes yeah. right um just uh back to the, the you know okay so i recently realized that one of the things at the core was that my mom growing up would say to me well people like us just don't achieve these kinds of things because right. I wanted to be a rock star ballerina storm chaser. Right. <laughs> People like us just don't like you're not you're, basically you're not born into ro the royal class. So don't expect to get there right. uh, was the idea. And because we're of a lower socioeconomic status than a lot of people around us also never ask for anything. Don't ask for what you want is largely ingrained into people's psyches yeah. too. Don't go for this thing. Don't ask for you what you want because of how you were brought up because of your, because of your, um, what do you call that? Status. Your circumstances. Life. Yeah. Your circumstance. Um, and so I realized, wow, like a part of my self-worth journey and, and the things that I'm actually working on is like stuff, hearing stuff like that and just accepting it as a kid. 
oh, well, I do, people like me just don't achieve great things. Yeah. Wow. That's BS. As a kid, you're trying to make sense of the world, right? Yeah. You're trying to make sense of the world and how to navigate it. And we are supremely intelligent. Our, our brains are amazing. So much so that we're able to adopt a language. Uh, some of us are able to adopt two or three languages at that age. We are social creatures, so we are watching the way that people interact. And of course, when you're watching the way that people interact, it's not just language that comes out of your mouth. It's tonality. It's body language. Body language says so much. And as a kid, you are taking all of that in and defining what it means and trying to navigate what these rules of the world are and, you know, anytime that you get into where you're talking about culture and stuff like that, like we get all these other insecurities that sneak in that have to do with social economic stuff or status or race or gender and all of those things that are completely and utterly man-made to begin with. They're not they're not like inherent truths, but at the same time, as a kid, you're trying to navigate that world. Yeah. Of of to see where it is that you belong in the whole grand scheme of things. And you see proof of it in the form of other people who have made that agreement as well, behaving yeah. in certain ways that reinforce that negative idea. Shoop said, when I was a child, I used to ask for things that were socially inappropriate and I was constantly scolded for it. And it into it, it it ingrained a deep-seated fear of asking for anything at all, even if I needed it. I'm currently working to undo that. I yeah. think so many of us are. And that's the thing. Like, that's one of the reasons that we settle for less. I was very quiet. And so everybody, you know, we'd go to somebody's house and they'd be like, oh, my God, he's such a good boy. It's almost like he wasn't even there. Right. So, like, I grew up thinking that. You had to be invisible. You had to be invisible. You had to be quiet. You didn't ask for things, right? Whereas other kids in my family were rambunctious and they ran around and stuff like that. And they were constantly getting yelled at and constantly getting in trouble. But I was the good kid. I did, it did not even dawn on me until years later where I'm an adult and I'm realizing like I am A, not asking for what I want out of my own life. I am settling for whatever is given to me, and I'm not willing to speak up for myself. Shoop said it leaves a feeling of inadequacy if I need help for things, which I know is BS. Oh, yeah. And it totally is BS. We've seen so many speeches, talks, lectures from people that, that we admire and respect, and they all say the same thing. Ask for help. You're not going to do it alone. None of us do. Yeah. Ask for help and bring people into your vision, right? The the people that are going to support you. You know that there are people out there that genuinely love you and support you in whatever you do. They don't want you to change. And then there are people that you're like, yeah, I'm not going to ask that person. <laughs> Shoop said, just read the acknowledgement section of a book, right? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> well put. So the next um, question that I that we pondered that we wanted to bring up is what should you expect of yourself during a time of big change? And a lot of the emails that we get from a lot of you amazing creative peeps is that you're going through a big change and you've got yourself under the microscope and you're not necessarily being kind to yourselves 
Um, like you're holding yourself to like, well, I should still be creating art every day yeah. and I should still be this and I should still be that as if you're failing somehow because you're going through a transitional time. And I think the single biggest thing you should expect of yourself during a big change is empathy for yourself, compassion. Yeah. Also, I feel like you should expect that of yourself all the time, always, all yeah. the time. Because, uh, you know, like with us going through the change and stuff, there have actually been points in time while I'm writing this book where I feel guilty and I feel responsible because we want to move. And, you know, there's and on top of that, you also get this weird desperation and this fear of like whether or not it's possible and all this stuff. And instead of being kind to myself it is easy for me to be like, well, now you're holding up the show because you're doing this. Now this is going on or whatever, or it's not going to work out. You're going to screw this up somehow and all this stuff. And I mean, for the most part, I, I make sure that I, I take a look right. and listen to those things. Cause like that really sucks to have to deal with that all the time. But at the same time, a lot of it just pops up. It pops up into your head. You're not listening or you're not paying attention. And next thing you know, you're like feeling down in the dumps and that's okay as long as you acknowledge like okay this this is just this is old programming from my childhood that worked back then because i needed to be quiet okay. i needed to not be rambunctious because if not i was going to constantly get scolded so it's almost like you you set up this this your own um guidelines within yourself that you follow because at that age where you're a kid and basically everyone else is in control and you are not, you do have to navigate the world in a certain way. Mm -hmm. But then it's almost like that same programming is still kicked in when you're an adult and you still follow the same guidelines Totally. when, when you don't need them to protect yourself because, you know, you're a, you're a grown ass. So, so you get to go out and do what you want. Yeah. And I think so my thing here, and I, I know a lot of you guys are familiar with this also, but like um, my barometer for this is like, would I say this to Rafi? So could you imagine me saying to you that you should feel really guilty right now because you're writing a book and you haven't painted any paintings or done many videos? You're totally holding up the show. Can you imagine if I said those things to you? Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Would that be acceptable? <laughs> no, I mean, okay, so let me explain that. I know I cannot imagine you actually saying it, but in my mind, these comments don't reflect as if they're coming from me. They reflect as if they're coming from the people around me, mm -hmm. right? So that's the that's the beautiful imag uh, the, the beautiful and and horrible thing about our imagination is that we superimpose what other people might think of us, even though I know for a fact that that's not the case. Right. And of course I don't buy into it, but it's not me telling me. It's the world. It's the world. As seen yeah. through your lens. <laughs> Everyone that I've disappointed out there because the book isn't done yet. And uh, the, you know, people that my, my parents being like, you'll never get a place. You're a loser. You know, like just all this stuff. It's like mm -hmm. the entire world. And that's where it becomes overwhelming because you're taking you're taking these big changes into your life. And if I could if I could take someone that I adore and 
someone that I know absolutely loves me and take that image and say like, oh, she probably thinks that I'm let I'm probably letting her down or I'm probably doing this. And that's not you. You're not doing anything. It's just my mind being able to now luckily I know that I am brilliant at trying to bring myself down. Sure, we all are. We are so brilliant. <laughs> Deanne said, it's good to feel compassion for self, but not to let it slip into long-term self-pity, but oh. defining that line is up to the individual, and that's brilliant. Yes. And that was actually the second thing I was going to say you should expect from yourself is accountability. Yeah, Call BS when you know that you're dragging your feet or when you're being a victim. The word compassion for me has... N- a- a- it has very little to do with pity, right? So when I feel compassion for someone, it goes along the lines of like, I'm looking at someone, I know that they're capable. I know that they have the power within them. I know that maybe they believe that they don't, but I choose not to see them as someone who can't do it. I choose not to see them as a victim. I choose to see them as somebody who maybe has convinced themselves that they can't do it, but they can. And so for me, that's, that's where, you know, it's, it's funny because it's always semantics like it, sure. you know, but compassion for me, that's what it means. Pity, you know, that's, that's where it's like, you know, where you pity some, Oh, I feel sorry for you. Oh, I'm so sorry that your life sucks. Like that doesn't help anybody. You know, like when things are going, things are not going good and you're like, yeah, you know, I just lost my job and this is going on. Oh, I'm so sorry. So sorry for you. Like, thanks. Like that's, you know, <laughs> she said, I tend to create conversations that never happen and then get butthurt about it. We all do that. <laughs> we don't do we? That. We, yeah, totally we do, do that. I love that. So I think those are two. And I think for me, I would leave it at that compassion and accountability. Yeah. Like, and I love, I love how Deanne put that. Find the compassion for yourself, find the compassion for others and make sure that it doesn't turn into self-pity because there is, there right. is that fine line there uh, of compassion and self-pity. It's easy for, to, to get those two mixed up. For sure. Shoop said, I've heard that you should imagine you speaking to your inner child and it will change your inner voice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful example of what to do because if you just pity a child, you create a monster. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't, you don't want to pity the fool. No, but if I you pity the fool, but if you uh, don't show compassion, you're, you could create a monster as well. So it's like that balance. It's striking that balance with yourself. Sarah said, uh, dad said no to ice cream that he had no money. But my brother said, but dad, why do you have money for beer? <laughs> oh, the double standards that we grew up with. We all have those things that we grow up with that we're like, that's not fair. That's not cool. But somehow that's just the way, somehow it's just the way it works out for me, right? That's another one that we got to work through. So the next thing uh, that we pondered about is what do you do when shit goes sideways on you? Because it almost always does, right? And that could be like, well, nothing ever quite goes to plan, right? If you even have a plan to begin with. And there's always going to be something. If you set out to do something new, right? That you maybe have been avoiding or you've got a big life change coming or there is something that you're going to pursue. uh, Expect everything that you've ever been afraid of Uh, everything that you've ever worried about going wrong, expect it 
all to go wrong. Expect the worst case scenarios to show up in your face because they will, right? In every single situation, whether it happens in the beginning or it happens at some point, everything that you're afraid of is going to show up. And there's nothing wrong with that, especially if you've prepared yourself to be able to face that fear head on. And mm-hmm. that's where the imagination comes up, right? Because a lot of times we avoid doing things because we're afraid, oh, well, what if this thing happens? Or what if that thing happens? Or what if it goes this way? Or what if it goes that way? You know, and like Clee and I, when we sit down and we think about some change or something like that, we go to extremes like, okay, well, what happens if we're living in a cardboard box somewhere? What happens if if this what happens if this the studio burns down? What happens if you think these worst case scenarios because you want to be ready? A, a lot of times I, I I feel like especially with me growing up, and I know that a lot of people experience this, just about everybody that I know, like you avoid thinking about these things because oh uh, don't talk I I just don't I don't want to think about that mm-hmm. and. It's difficult to think about them because what they do is they release that fear that you have going on inside. But really, when it comes down to it, if you're going to do anything like and that's one of the reasons that in the the survival guide book, I say expect everything to go wrong because here you are putting yourself out there as an artist. You're doing something that you've never done. There is no roadmap that's going to show you where to go. And the only reason that you haven't done it yet is because you're afraid. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? Everything that you're afraid of is going to come up. And that happens with every single situation and everything that is new. If you have been avoiding it until now, you are going to show yourself examples of what could go wrong just so that you could show yourself that you are strong enough to face them. Right. I always say, if you want to, if you say to yourself, I want to be stronger. That's awesome, but you don't get a certificate in the mail from the universe. You get obstacles to overcome to show yourself that you can be stronger. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of the way it works in my mind. So it's a way that I try to practice appreciation for even the hard stuff. I wanted to avoid thinking about worst case scenarios for a long time because I believe that what you focus on, you get more of. So I was well, afraid. But what I didn't realize was actually that in in taking a moment to think about that, you actually can diffuse the fear. And and that's powerful because if you can diffuse the fear, you're more equipped to face things. The moment that anything pops into your mind, you're going to picture a vivid image of that and actually feel the moments. Like I could even tell you, like, don't smell the bananas on King Kong's breath when he roars at you. You're actually going to get the sensation of smelling bananas. You can't avoid the things that you're afraid of. You can only face them in your imagination or in person and show yourself that you are indeed a badass. And that's how you diffuse it, not by avoiding it. You have to you have to face it in order to defuse it. Take the charge out of it. And Shoop said, I work best when I've outlined all the possible problems and then how I would overcome them if it happened. Yeah, see, that's perfect, Shoop. 
That's perfect. And even if you don't know all the possible problems, right, you can still do this as an exercise, which would better prepare you for any eventuality. Yeah. Facing fears in general better prepares you. I, I feel mean, like I, I think about it with like people that are going to go and do their first show, right? They go into they're, they're thinking and then they've got this like vague fear that pops up. And then if they really think about it, like what if somebody says something? What if somebody's rude? What if somebody laughs and walks away? What if somebody, you know, something like that? What if somebody tries to do this or that and they think about it and then it just it triggers that fear and then the nerves set in and then your body goes into fight or flight and then you're like nope 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 nope, 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 nope. <laughs> yeah but if you if those things pop up and you're just like well what if somebody says this what if somebody says that and you think to yourself like okay how can i deal with that situation in a way where i can walk away from the situation and feel empowered Without having to put someone down, right? Without having to like lower the status of someone else. How can I walk away from that situation and either laugh it off or feel empowered in in whatever shape, I, whatever way, shape or form that I can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then then you practice it out. That's the beauty of, of that. That's one of the reasons that I loved calling our, our imagination, our virtual reality engine, because you can practice it out. And then if you get it wrong, then you try it again. And then you try it again. And maybe and you could always tell by the feelings that you have of, of what is what what is effective. And then if it does take place, if it actually happens in real life, you have practiced a go to on how to deal with it. Right. It's not going to catch you off guard. Exactly. That's what Shoop said. Then you're not blindsided when they ask you a question you were totally unprepared for. Yeah, brilliant. Anne sent us a smiley face. And Shoop said your decisions can't be made from a place of fear. Exactly, Shoop. Exactly. And And really, it all has to come down to where am I heading? Because you are either focused on the past and where you're coming from. Or you are focused on where you're going, and most importantly, or focused on here, right now, where I am, and where I want to go from here. And mm-hmm. ultimately, that's one of the things that we look at because with this move, and I and and I know that you guys have heard me say this on the podcast at times, or not on the podcast. I know that you guys have heard me say this on the live stream sometimes, where I'm like, "We got to get the hell out of here!" Da 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 da. <laughs> right. That is not me being at my best. That is me being in a place where I'm like, we got to move. And I'm totally focused on the situation and where I am feeling and what a bit my of, past is, yeah. right? Instead of looking forward to where it is that I'm going, I'm focused on where I don't want to be. And honestly, that takes a really big bite out of my momentum in moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so like, I constantly have to remind myself to get out of that place and, you know, and, and it has an impact on everything. It has an impact on how I create my art. It has an impact on whether or not I create my art, what I'm struggling with on a daily basis. The things that you focus on really, really do matter. And you're either focused on what is going wrong or what can go or what is going right. And so like, that's, that's a big lesson for me because I know that if we move, if I am focused on what is going wrong and we move chances are I'm going to be the one element 
that that punctures a hole in the tire of the vehicle that is our transition exactly exactly because i will whatever it is that i'm focused on here and i'm not willing to let go i'm just going to take with me and it and for some people that sounds airy fairy but that has been the experience that i've had yeah we've lived it and so we do firmly believe it shoop said how do i make this right breaking it down into steps i can take that's yeah that's brilliant yep Um, How do I make this right? I love that. I love that. I love that too. And I've had, you know, we've both had to ask ourselves the hard why. Um, And I love the question why. Why is one of my favorite questions. (laughs) Um, Because you can ask why a million times and reach a deeper level of understanding with yourself and never get to the end of it. Oh, absolutely. I I love, I love the, there's a reason why as kids we ask why. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, you know, it's like, why is it? Why is the sky blue? Uh, because it's just blue. Well, why? Because the atmosphere. Well, why? And because can, of this. And like you just break it down and you break it down. To and its molecular it level, right? Yeah. And you can do it with anything big or small, right? I got to get out of this place. Why? Well, I have an answer for that. Well, why do you feel that way? Well, here's the answer for that. Well, what's that about? Well, <laughs> you know, like anything. You can go deeper and deeper and deeper with that. And that's the key. That's why going deeper is so important. I think that that's what was fun about uh, one of the sections in the video uh, that we posted on YouTube today where we were talking about 10 <laughs> things to do oh, in order video. to ensure that you're going to fail. And one of them was like, just, just believe your fear. You and know? Don't ask just, why. Don't ask why. Don't, <laughs> don't look deeper. And the fact is that when you ask why of yourself or of, of someone else, you are getting deeper. You're, you're tearing away the, the layers of the onion and digging a little bit deeper into what's going on. There. Even if yourself is like, I don't know, leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which there... often it is. <laughs> There's at least a, a foot in the door. There, there always is. There always <laughs> is a point when you're digging a little bit deeper where yourself is like, just leave me alone already. I don't know. <laughs> That's as deep as it goes. God. You know, it's funny because like Clean and I, Clean and I, 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 I would like to boast and say that Clean and I have a great relationship. But the fact of the matter is that we still deal with stuff like that where Something will be going on and we have at this point, we have built that trust over time where if she's asking why and I find myself being like, I don't know, then I know for sure (laughs) that there's something going on. And then I know to get the um, emotional cattle prod. I know I'm kidding. No, not the emotional (laughs) cat, the the patience, the the patience patience that comes along with it. Yeah. And this, the, okay, we're going to sit here. If also, if you need me to go away right now, I will, but I will be back and we will talk. Choop said, I've always been a why person. Yeah, I love that. Me to self. Will you shut up already? (laughs) Oh, sure. We have all been there too. Sarah said, I want nature. I want focus. I want peace. I want solitude so I can think. There you go. You have your why. So you can think. You've got your your why. Yeah. And let that be your lighthouse. And said, humor and talking to all the stick men, fear voices has saved me so many times. Oh, absolutely. Oh, humor is a great thing to have in your arsenal for sure that's the biggest that i think that that's the biggest thing is like okay so this this podcast has been a very very deep subject i have loved it uh it, it it has it has been a very deep subject but most importantly uh on on everything that's going on in life 
there has to be humor, mm-hmm. right? You have to be, you got to think about those moments where, and, and maybe this is just me, but you got to think of those moments where you were in a car and uh, everything just seemed to be falling apart. Couldn't get any worse. Couldn't get any worse. And you're sitting there and you want to cry and you're about to burst. And then next thing you know, you burst out into laughter because the realization was, holy shit, this really cannot get any worse than it is right now. And also, this is crazy. And also, <laughs> look at me, this singular human on this yep. blue dot sitting in my car, almost crying and laughing. I knew exactly what you were going to say. And the reason is because we've all been there, right? <laughs> and so that there's a reason that that is a human defense mechanism when stuff gets really heavy. We have, we have all been in the bathtub crying to everybody hurts. Or in the, yes, we have, or in the greasy spoon (laughs) diner bathroom at 3 a.m. crying (laughs) to everybody. That was clear. For sure. Weirdly Untimely said, I'm having the hardest time seeing my own bullshit. God, good thing I have my partner who sees it miles away. You know what? It's great to be able to do it for yourself, but sometimes you slip under your own radar and it really is awesome to have someone in your life that's willing to call out your bullshit when you can't see it and it doesn't necessarily have to be it could be anybody that you trust shoop said i always put myself on the pat Pat. myself on the back for making it through all this crap and still standing yeah i'm patting you on the back as well heck yeah so the final thing that we had written here was what are the what are the things that you should know straight away to avoid with any big change? And the one that I had come up with was avoid um, telling your t- avoid talking about your changes, your transition, oh, whatever yeah. you aim to do yeah. with anyone who is even remotely unsupportive. You all know why. Yeah, because it diffuses the momentum they try to talk you out of it and it's basically all the things that we talked about let them <laughs> let them see it once it's done mm-hmm. let them come to their own conclusions and remember you do not have to explain your decisions or your life to anyone i don't care who they are you make your own choices shoop said yes <laughs> <laughs> Sarah said, why? Because stop talking to negative Nancy. Yeah. That's an excellent reason. That is an excellent reason. So that's my thing. That's my thing to avoid and also try to avoid my own BS as yes. it comes up. Yes. Not avoid it, but face it. Not and avoid, be, face it. Yeah. Face your own BS. Understand that the BS is going to come up. We've got stuff. Listen, there, there is stuff that like I figured out about myself 10 years ago and was like yeah i'm i'm good i've got this covered i no longer have an insecurity when it comes to this one thing and then next thing you know this small tiny facet just pops open because one thing happened and next (laughs) and i'm like what where did this come from it's understanding that we are so complex so diverse so freaking amazing that Life would be boring without the insecurities that we have. Luckily, luckily, we have so many that we're not going to run out of them. It's almost infinite. Shoop said, Bob and Weave. Bob Bob and Weave. weave. Exactly. Be your own shadow boxer (laughs) for all the things. Just like Fiona Apple said in the 90s. Yes. 
I love that song. And said there's always a deeper yes, there is always a deeper layer. And that's good. Sarah said, I, I am never, never effing bored, Ben. <laughs> yes. None of us are, are we? I want to give a big shout out to Sarah. Sarah, amazing. I'm so happy that you did the show and that yes. you had a good job that that you had a good time doing it. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Deanne. Deanne, I am so excited that you're doing the show. Me too. Um, and I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. This was an excellent conversation. This was so much fun. This was so much fun. I mean, it, you know, and it's funny because this is this is like some this is this is some deep. It's gritty. This is some gritty. <laughs> it's deep and hairy, as my mom would it's say. Deep and that just sounds <laughs> the deep hairy topic. That just sounds raunch. That's what she calls the them. Way. She and doesn't mean it that way. Yeah, uh-huh. it's just who she is as a person. <laughs> Excellent. Real people, said Sarah. Shoop said, missed you guys. Oh, we miss you too. Indeed. Thomas said, we are very interesting in our own ways. The artist thing that is hard to point out. Yeah. And that's why yeah. we really have to like look at ourselves too, because ain't nobody else going to know what's going on with us. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody's going to know. Thomas said, Ted Talk, Ted Talk. <laughs> Rafi Ted Talk is coming for you. We love you guys so much. So I guess we should do our outro for yeah, the let podcast. Me do, let me do the outro. And then we'll hang out for a moment and say goodbye to you guys and i want to thank everybody that was here you guys are absolutely freaking amazing thank you so much for adding to this conversation i know that this was a deep conversation and i'm curious to know if any of you guys out there listening to this have your own two cents that you would like to add uh just go ahead and leave that in the comment section and also thank you guys all so much for listening um this has been an amazing podcast and i totally adore you and if you like this and you want to listen to more like this just go ahead and click somewhere around here to subscribe and that's it you want to say goodbye clee good day adios